Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. So, we are on episode four, so we'd like to welcome everyone. Episode four, I'm so excited. We might be a little buzzed. Our drink of choice this time is White Claw, and we're having it again because... Well, because I seem to stop at the same store every time on my way over here to record, and they only have three different kinds of seltzers. And so I am on repeat of the White Claws, but next time I'm going to stop somewhere different so that I can find a different brand, because I know there's tons of them out there. We've done the Vizies and the Trulies and the White Claws. Yeah. And we've, I, I we've, find, oh, the Shiners. Yeah, we've, we've sampled a lot. If we ever record at night, which we rarely ever do, but if mm-hmm. we ever record it at night, I would actually have a couple of glasses of wine, but wine gets me so hard. I'm a terrible wine drinker. Really? I love wine, but I'm a terrible wine drinker. Two glasses of wine and I'm like slurring my words. That's hilarious. Saying shit I shouldn't ever say in public. So <laughs> if we ever do record at night, I will drink, I could have a couple of glasses of wine and then that should, that'll be a damn good podcast. Nice. All right. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to talk about careers and there's a whole history behind that. And, you know, with, with marriage and let me put it this way. I think anytime someone goes into a relationship in a marriage and has family, there tends to be someone whose dreams get put on hold a little bit, not necessarily get cast aside, but maybe they have to switch it up a little bit or Mm -hmm. put it on hold for a while and things like that. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today is how marriage and divorce and family and all that affect your careers and kind of a few healthy reminders for people out there that are just getting into relationships or marriages in their future. Those healthy reminders will help you keep your own dreams and focus and learn from our mistakes. Yes. Oh dear God, please, please. Cause I've made a few. Well, and we all do, of course, but we've learned some valuable lessons, I think, in the last few years in regards to careers and being able to support ourselves because all of a sudden you're single and paying your own bills and you need to have the resources to do that. And if you don't, it can put a whole nother layer of stress on all of it, on the marriage, on divorce, on your decision to leave. Starting over. Now you're starting over and you have no idea what you're doing and we'll get into that. But yeah. So do you want to start with your kind of your history of you know, careers and how you went into marriage and all of that? Absolutely. Because yours is different than mine. Way different. Yeah. But it's funny because uh, as much as we have in common, we are on polar opposites mm-hmm. for so much of this, which, which makes me not laugh. Laugh's not the right word. It just intrigues me that we're in the same exact spot, but started yeah. in such different spots. But and, it's actually good for our listeners because not all of our listeners will be like me not all of them will be like you so it's actually a good thing that they have those different spectrums or different examples yeah basically absolutely so being episode four (laughs) sidebar here i I realized after editing a couple episodes that i say absolutely every five seconds so vina tried to (laughs) try to tally how many times i said absolutely i got carpal tunnel (laughs) it's just the truth so now I know I say absolutely a lot. And so I'm going to consciously be trying to say other words, but I don't know. How. What do I, you, you know, know. and you know. so then, you know, I was just, you know, so between absolutely and, you know, we, we try to edit some of them out. So the amount that make it onto the podcast are just a fraction of what we actually say, because, oh my gosh, I think you stopped telling it like 10, but I yeah. know I said it oh, wait, so wait. many. Yeah. yeah. That was only like the first seven minutes of editing. <laughs> Fuck this, I'm not 
rallying anymore. This is getting old. In the future, whenever we have merchandise, we are going to, like, on our shirts, you can order, in quotes, you know, or absolutely <laughs> on the back of your shirt. You got to pick a team. <laughs> team Vine or you know, or Team Cheryl for absolutely. Now it's going to be hard to finish this podcast, and every time we say absolutely not, just completely. Yeah. I'm going to try really hard not to. So focusing with, hopefully, out saying absolutely every 10 seconds. I got lucky that I came from a family where my mom had a college education. My dad had a college education. And so that was instilled in me from a young age. You graduate high school and you go to college. That's what you do, period. And so I did. And I didn't meet my ex-husband until I graduated college. So career-wise, I was set which was good because in the long run, that really did help me throughout my entire marriage, but it definitely helped me with with leaving my marriage. So I was already graduated from college and starting my career, my first year of teaching when I met my ex-husband. So I was fortunate to already have that established. And he was the one that we put him through college once he, because he is from Mexico and came to the United States. And so once he came here, we put him through college. So we both had our separate careers. And in the end, that ended up being a saving grace for me because as we'll get into later, it helped me get out because I, I wouldn't have been able to get out if I didn't have the monetary means to do so. So for me, I, I'm glad that I had a career and I'm glad that I was able to do that. Yeah. So I didn't have that. I didn't have that kind of, uh, oh, I have to, I have to put this in a way because I, I don't want to bash my parents at all. Love my parents. Great people. But I didn't have parents that graduated from college. My mom, uh, she didn't even have a high school diploma. You know, she dropped out when she was 17. So no one really pushed me for college. In fact, I was the first person in my family that graduated college. I was the first person with a degree um, and I did get my bachelor's, but it wasn't in something that was useful. You know what I mean? It was, right. it was in something that... You know, I thought I was going to be a writer and a journalist, which I love. And, you know, later, and you're good at it. Love writing. And I have been, you know, a ghostwriter and I actually have made a career out of it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what I wanted. You know, it wasn't the exact path that I wanted. And so I didn't really have anyone pushing me. And I went to a small high school, graduating class of 38 people. Wow. Do you think my high school counselor, you know, talked to me about college? And No. I remember her taking me in her room and I think she said, do you plan on going to college? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to junior college first. And she was like, okay, good. And I like stamp and walk out. No one talked to me about my options and my dreams. And my family wasn't really a, you can do anything type of person. My family was a, you've got to make a living and you've got to support your family. And if that means working at the local factory, then that's what you do. I don't care if you're a woman, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you do. And so I went to school, you know, on my own and everything and met my ex, um, now ex-husband, our first semester of undergrad. So we actually went through undergrad together. My degree went from four years to being very, very long because I became a mom. You know, we got married, I think our second year of undergrad and I became a mom that same year, you know, just nine months later. (laughs) Y'all do the math. (laughs) Hello, honeymoon baby. So I became a mom. And so I had to like stretch my schooling out. So I graduated in 2007 with this ridiculously useless degree that's, you know, $50,000 receipt on my wall now. But the whole time, the whole 18 years I was married, I didn't do anything that was my dream. 
you go into a marriage with a dream. You know, you go into a relationship with a dream. You, No one just says, mm, you know, I don't know what I want to do. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's your dream. If you want to be a trophy wife, that's your dream. I'm not bashing those things. But everyone goes into it with a, with a dream. I had dreams and I put them on hold because of my religion. And But it was also my choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just pawn it off on right, religion. Right, right. It's also my choice, but I put it on hold. And I was, you know, I always said, when he gets done with medical school, then I'll figure my life out. Right. Well, lo and behold, when he got done with medical school, he was in attending like three years and then boom, we got divorced. So I never got the opportunity. Right. Luckily I had a degree, but I never got the opportunity to put my dreams on the fast track because, or even get them started because I'd focused our entire marriage on his dreams. Right. Thinking that one day I would be able to. There's so many people that I think <clears throat> do exactly that. And the only reason my situation ended up differently is because I was already done with college when I met him. I can't even imagine how it would have turned out or how things would have been different if that weren't the case. Mm-hmm. But I was already done. And so I already had my degree. I already had my plan to be a teacher and yeah. and to go forward with that. So so my career was always separate from my marriage. I didn't was that like <laughs> right. And I didn't even do that on purpose. It wasn't like that was part of the master plan. And I thought, well, you know, 22 years down the road, if I feel like leaving, at least I'll be able to support myself. That was never in my thoughts. It was just always instilled in me that that's how you live life. You you went to high school, then you went to college, then you graduated college, and then that's when you were ready to get married. Yeah. And so luckily I followed that path because then I was financially independent by the time I met my ex-husband. Yeah, that's oh, never comparing each other whatsoever but that makes me so envious looking back I wish I would have had that going into a marriage I wish I would have had all of that in place already but I'm also from a religion where family's first and the woman has her place and (laughs) the woman (laughs) (laughs) the woman has her place and one of the uh, you know back when I, I was part of our religion one of my favorite presidents of our church of all times and I will always love this man is um president Hinckley He actually, I I remember in a conference, he actually came out and said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, women, you don't know what's going to happen in your future. Divorce happens. Death happens. You have no earthly idea. I highly, highly encourage you to get an education and set yourself up so that if you do, you know, find yourself alone and uh, single in the future, you have something to fall back on. And I remember thinking, what must the people around me be feeling? Because like my ex-mother-in-law and father-in-law, they're very pro stay at home. Your job is to raise the kids. The husband goes out, makes a living. And Mm -hmm. they weren't very go live your life and seek your dreams. And they're, you know, very Mormon. And so when he said that to me, it, it just empowered me. And I thought, finally, the literal head of our church is empowering me to do exactly what I want to do. And I'm going to break those chains and not listen to everyone that's telling me that, yes, my number one job is to be a mom, but I'm also a human and I have goals and dreams and that's what I want to do. I'll raise my kids and I'll do a damn good job of it, but I also want to be successful and I want to make a difference and I want to be somebody. Mm -hmm. And by having kids, that shouldn't limit me. Right, exactly. That doesn't tell me I can't because I had a kid. Like what an awful thing to tell someone. What an awful thing to tell a woman. You had a kid, so that's your job now. All your hopes and dreams are gone. 
Fuck you. Right. My dad's side of the family is very religious and they're Southern Baptist. And that is very much a part of that religion's culture also, that the woman stays at home and the woman provides for the man Mm -hmm. so that the man can go out of the house and provide for the family. And I'm not knocking that at all. That worked very well for my grandmother. She worked inside of the house her entire life and was amazing at it. Raised great kids, great grandkids, and we respect the hell out of her. But my mom's side of the family was completely the polar opposite. My grandma graduated from the University of Michigan in the 1950s. She was a teacher way back in you know the day before a lot of women were working outside of the house. And so I had these both sides of, of that. And my parents just decided to, to push me to go to college. And I'm glad that they did. I know there's plenty of ways to get from point A to point B, but in the long run, I think that ended up saving me because I was financially able to leave. And I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that financial background. Oh, yeah. Um, I know for me, whenever I've spoken before about those three years that, Mm -hmm. you know, I tried to stay married and tried to fix it. And I don't necessarily regret it. I've, I've said this before. I don't regret it. I do feel like those years were wasted, but a little bit, but I don't regret it fighting for my marriage. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. And I wanted to save and protect my family. Of but course. part of me was like, part of the reason why I stayed was the fact that I didn't know what I was going to do. I had worked odds and end jobs, you know, right and left, but I had no idea what I was going to do. Not to mention that you guys had the literal light at the end of the tunnel. You had gone through medical school. You had gone through several moves. You had gone through all of two different, three different countries. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of his schooling, all these different countries. And finally there was the end. Yeah in sight, but then this all came crashing down. So that had to be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was extremely hard because I thought, okay, I'm going to be blunt. I thought you son of a bitch. I fucking got you through undergrad. I got you through medical school and I got you through residency because what a lot of people don't know. Oh, doctors are rich. No. (laughs) So we have his undergrad student loans, my undergrad student loans, medical school was half a million dollars, you know, and we went foreign. So we actually went a little bit cheaper and you don't get to work during medical school. So while he wasn't working, I was the one that was doing marketing out of my home and taking, dropping my kids off at school and then go handling marketing clients and ghostwriting for blogs and attorneys. And I did get my writing, you know, dreams in, but I don't want to say dreams did get to become a writer, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, boring and it wasn't the kind that I wanted to. I didn't get to write my articles. I wrote ghost articles for people and ghost blogs for people and things like that. So I supported him and I did all these odds and end jobs while I was parenting, while I was running the finances, while I was running the house, while I was managing his schedule. And at the same time, you know, doing all the church stuff because our religion is not, you don't just go on Sunday. Our religion is a seven day a week, full on, it's, it's a lifestyle and a commitment, a total and complete commitment. You can't just be a part-time Mormon. I mean, you can, but you're going to be on the outs. I learned that from you very quickly because I remember how busy you were constantly because those days we watched each other's kids, Mm -hmm. you before school and me after school. And it was constant with you. You were always doing something, whether it was working or doing something for the church or running a kid to practice of some sort. You were on the go 24-7. Yeah, because that's another thing. Your kids are in sports and your kids are in ballet and your kids are... 
you know, and so I was doing everything so that his main focus could be medical school mm-hmm. and becoming a doctor. Because as soon as he became a doctor, I was going to get to be whatever I want to be. It was my turn. And that never fucking came. And that's my problem. That's that's where a lot of my anger lies is that, oh, like that's 20 years of my life that I put my dreams on hold. And now I'm a single mom. I have no idea what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You had 20 years to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I still haven't. It's been six years. Maybe it's failure to launch. I don't know. But I've, I've tried different careers and nothing is, is like sitting well with me, I guess. And so I'm still struggling with trying to figure it out. Luckily, you joined me in, in on this blog because this is one of my biggest dreams right here was to start a blog and help other people and uh, not a blog, a podcast, mm-hmm. but also start a, start a blog, which I'll mention later. But luckily you joined me and we can help other people to avoid what you and I are going through. Right, because you you did you put your dreams on hold for so long, and so then you get to that point where like okay, it's finally my turn. But by that point, you have kids; they're grown. You're still helping them with their dreams. Mm-hmm. You have a significant other that you're still helping him with his dreams. So you're trying to focus on yourself, but you still have all of this that you're dealing with, and that's got to be stressful. Yeah, plus whatever new career I choose or whatever. If I have to go back to school now, I'm talking about money or, you know, if I want to go into real estate and I'm talking about, you know, dropping, you know, $600 to 12, you know, 600 to $1,000. Well, I'm newly divorced and you're a doctor. I'm not. You're welcome. Let me figure out what to do with myself now. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's like, well, you got to figure this out. You're changing jobs so much. Well, no shit. Thanks for (laughs) pointing out the fucking obvious. I appreciate that. And and um, from now on, keep your opinions to yourself, right? And I won't shove my fist down your throat. Well, absolutely, because there there's so many ways to go about that. And just because my mom and dad never pushed me to go to college so that I could be financially successful so that some guy didn't screw me over, that wasn't their, their plan. They right. didn't sit down and talk to me about that. It was just what you did. They, they wanted me to have my own career and they wanted me to be financially independent. And it really was just luck. It was luck that I was raised that way and went to college and had my degrees and I was able to use those because it really was a deciding factor in me leaving. If I wasn't financially able to leave, I don't know what I would have done because whereas some people have support during, whether it be alimony or or, or just support in general because it's an amicable divorce, I didn't have that. I had you know, someone who was not part of the divorce at all and very much wanted to see me fail. And so luckily I I had that financial stability where I could keep pushing forward and keep going with what I needed to go with and uh, not have to rely on him because I never would have been able to. I want to say that I was fortunate in the fact that I did already have my degree. So I do, I'm very blessed for that, that I already had a degree Um, which, you know, looks good on your resume. My mom had raised me to be very smart in marketing and things like that. So she had kind of, because she had made a name for herself in in marketing, she had given me a lot of her knowledge. Mm -hmm. So in order to support him and keep our family afloat, I started my own marketing business. Uh, A lot of my clients were women of color who were wanting to launch businesses, but didn't quite know how. And I helped them through conception to launch and then also the marketing after 
and then, you know, eventually set them free and let them go on their own. And so I loved that. And it was so fulfilling. And to look back and know that I would say 90% of those women still have those businesses and they're just flourishing. Like it's, it's amazing. And I love that I had that experience, but while I'm doing all these odds and end jobs and coming up with, you know, things like I, I taught myself how to make fondant cakes for a while. I remember that. Yeah. And you so, taught me how to make yeah. fondant. And sold cakes because, you know, to individuals, if somebody needed a birthday cake or something like that, and I wasn't amazing, but I was good enough that I could sell them, you know? So I was very creative in how I brought money into the family, but it was never something that I could do long-term. Right. It was never my dream. And so like looking back, whenever I realized that I'm going to be single and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be an author. That was the number one thing. I wanted to be an author and I wanted to be someone who made a difference in other people's lives. I didn't know how it was going to be. I wanted to use my life experiences, you know, from my childhood and all of that. And that's something that we'll address, you know, in a different podcast, but those were the two things that I wanted. And I just didn't know how to make those things happen. But whenever I became single, I was like, oh shit. Like, okay, now I don't have any money back backing me. My doctor husband is now no longer my husband. So I don't have that resource, that financial resource to now launch my own dreams. And I remember just being, that's the anger that still sticks with me six years later. I've, I've gotten over a lot of things, but that anger for that particular thing still si- sticks with me six years later. Well, I, I don't know how it could because you gave up a lot. You sacrificed a lot of what you wanted and the path that you wanted to take to make sure that he was able to fulfill his path. And like you said earlier, that the intention was then, okay, you're set. Here's your path. Now it's time for me to do my thing. But then all hell broke loose right before it was your turn. And so I would have anger towards that too. I would feel like I was cheated out of, of that for sure. How could you not? Yeah. We have totally different stories with that because mm-hmm. I, I total opposite end of the spectrum threw myself into my career. I was a teacher and I was a mom. Those were my identifying roles. And I loved every second of my 25 years of teaching. Well, almost every second. <laughs> It's teaching. We have it's our teaching. issues. But uh, I need to have middle schoolers. Like, oh, see, I love my I respect love, you love, so love. much. I have so much respect for you. I loved, loved teaching middle schoolers. And thank you. Um, Yeah, you have to be a little crazy to teach middle school, but it fit perfectly oh. for my personality. And I subbed one time <laughs> in middle school and I was like, shoot me in the head before I ever have to do this again. I remember when I, when I first transferred from high school to middle school, many people told me it, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. There's no in between. There's no like, oh, I'll make this work. And that's so true. Either you love prepubescent, you know, they're talking about Minecraft one second and 69 the next. <laughs> that is a middle schooler. Oh my gosh. You either love that and you can laugh with that or you're like, what the hell am I doing with these crazy yeah. kids? And I loved it. I I loved it. I loved my students. I loved my job. I loved who I worked with. And I threw myself into it completely. I was teacher and mom. Those were my roles. Well, and daughter, of course, because I was super close with my parents. Where was the wife role? What? what? Right. That's exactly what I didn't have. I I tried. I really did. I remember for the first several years trying so hard to fill that wife role. But when you're married to a narcissist, it's never enough. You're never good enough. You never cook the right thing. You never clean the right way. You never say the right thing. Everything's just wrong. 
And so eventually I was so just beat down that I retracted from that role little by little and threw myself into the, the teacher role, the mother role, the anything else that I knew I was good at because I was led to and eventually did believe that I sucked at the wife role. I was not a good wife. I was not a good person. I mean, or a good mother, if you you know, listen to what he would tell me. But I knew I was a good mother because I knew I was doing the best that I could. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was doing the best I could as a wife. But then based on his feedback, I really did grow to believe that I wasn't doing everything right, that I sucked at being this wife who's supposed to be providing for the family and cooking dinner and keeping the house clean and doing all this stuff while he was in the garage playing with his cars. Yeah. And I just eventually got tired of it. And I thought, you know what, if I'm trying this hard, Hard and I'm getting nowhere, then I'm just going to throw myself into teacher role and mom role because I know I can do those well. Yeah. And so completely understand. Yeah. And and so I did. That was my life, my job and my girls, period. Because I don't like being a failure and I don't like, I mean, not that anyone does, but I didn't like that I was throwing my entire self. I was reading books. I was talking to other people. I I was doing everything I could to try to be a good wife. And it was just never good enough. So I think you and I are actually the same on that because in the, say, 15 to 16 years that I was getting him through all the schooling and I was, you know, carrying the family and he was gone a lot and studying a lot that and he was, you know, clinicals and things during that time. I threw myself into, you know, I didn't have him tell me I was a bad wife by any means. But I threw myself into my kids and my, you know, what jobs I could bring money in and my church duties and things like that. I became so hyper-focused on that while he was hyper-focused on becoming a doctor that we lived separate lives. And that was what, you know, I did best. I couldn't be a wife because he was never there. And he really couldn't, we couldn't focus on our marriage. We would do that later. That was the overarching theme as We'll focus on that later. You know, let's just get through this. After we'll focus here, on that later. I'm here and there. But for there 16 and... years, like I can understand, oh, six months to a year. But for 16 years, I've got to do that. At some point, I need, you know, to come back and have a relationship with my husband and reconnect sexually and go on couples things and things like that. But no. So I fully agree with you. And I'm right there with you where I put all of my energy and focus into being a damn good mom. Because I'm like you. I don't want to be a failure. Um, You are a damn good mom. I am a... Thank you. So are you. Thank you. I'm a Texan and a Southerner at heart. So there is no failing at being a mom and your church duties, like those things come first. And so that's, that's what I did. And I come from a long line of women that when men have failed us, we pick ourselves up and we just do what we need to do. I mean, my mom, my mom has done manly jobs, like manly jobs. My mom back in her prime could knows what every tool out there in the garage is, had her own, you know, knew how to work a saw, knew how to drive. She, she knew how to drive a truck. She had her, her commercial driver's license. She wow. didn't drive a, a semi. Like she was, so I had those strong examples in my life of you do what you got to do to survive, but that's not goals and dreams. You know what I mean? That's, that's you got to do what you got to do to survive. That's survival. Right? That's survival. That's not, if I went back and asked any of those women, if you could do anything, what would you do? What would, what would you have done? They wouldn't have said, oh, I would have worked at a factory or I would have, they right. wouldn't have said that. They would have said, I would have been an actress or I would have been a writer or I would have been, you know, a firefighter. I would have been anything. Mm-hmm. 
no one's going to say, oh, I want to work in a factory on the line for my entire life and work my way to eventually be supervisor. There's a lot of sarcasm in that. <laughs> you know why that's sarcastic? Because my mom, God, God bless her. I love her. I love her. Great woman. And I don't mean bless her heart in the Texas way. I mean, <laughs> like, God bless her. She literally, after the divorce said, well, you know, you know, Peterbilt's hiring. Like, half of me wanted to say, oh, that's cute. And the other half of me wanted to say, this is exactly what's fucking wrong with the women in our family. Like, I'm not going to go to work at Peterbilt. I'm not going to go make semi-trucks so I can support my family. Like, I... I'm, I'm just, I'm not. And that's not degrading anyone who does. But at some point, is someone going to say, hey, Vina, live your dream? Like, what do you want to do yeah. with your life? Is someone going to fucking say that? Because as of, I'm 46. Well, at the time, someone has said it's recently. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to retract. <laughs> Rewind. Rewind. At 43, no one had said that. No one had said that. And then I met someone who finally said, what do you want to do? And I thought... It, is it Armageddon? Wait, time out. What is this question? What are you able Like, who are you? And this clearly is not a real relationship. Because <laughs> My dad's side of the family was very much like that, too. I, they all worked for Ford, or as we call it in Michigan, Fords. Because there's a S-A-N-D. <laughs> Do y'all have Walmarts as well? We got Walmarts and Myers. Oh my gosh. My Myers has an S on the end too if you're from Michigan. <laughs> if you're from the South, Walmarts. Notice this on the first or second podcast. I can't remember which one. That oh, shit. I intermittent no, it's not oh. horrible, but I intermittently um fall into a southern accent. <laughs> so I don't wanna offend anyone. It's just my my dad's whole side of the family is from Tennessee, and so it comes out every once in a while. Not because I, I, I use it, but when I'm talking about that side of the family. And, and my girls have said that, too, that when I'm with my grandma, they said, Mom, I don't know why why you speak like you're Southern when you're with Mama, because we call my grandma Mama. I don't know why you speak like you're Southern with, when you're with Mama, but all of a sudden you get this accent. So I don't mean to. I'm not trying to offend anyone. It's just, I, I guess I have some inner... Tennessee. Mine gets love. worse. Mine gets worse whenever I like I talk to my parents and I, I'm on the phone. I will be so articulate, and then I'll talk to my family, and I'll be twanging like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's twang when you let your guard down. I it's do. hilarious. I have to really. I listen to myself in this podcast, and I think, oh, shit, like that is such a twangy accent. So we got off a little bit on a tangent about accents. <laughs> I will try to keep my fake Tennessee accent out of this. When you're when you're buzzed. That's the whole point, though, right? <laughs> That's the whole point for the drunk part of the DDD. That's right. So without the Tennessee accent, I feel like I was really fortunate for having my career established and having 22 years into my teaching career when I finally decided that I wanted a divorce. So. I was well-established. I had my career. I had a good salary. And because of that, I was fortunate that that didn't play a role in when I left or why I left or how I left. I was just able to leave financially. Mm -hmm. For me, the hard part was emotionally. You know, that was where my roadblocks came. But at the same time, I was on a lot of different message boards. I, I know earlier in, I think, the first podcast I had talked about, Patricia Evans' books and Lundy Bancroft's books on verbal and emotional abuse. So I 
was on a lot of the message boards through those two authors and the books that they wrote. And I can't tell you how many women I ran across that, and men, I, I keep saying women, but there are men out there too that, that are in emotional and verbally abusive relationships. And there was so much discussion about how to leave. And as I said in an earlier podcast, Patricia Evans on her message board had basically a whole outline of how to set up a plan to leave. But part of that plan is having the finances to do so. You mm-hmm. have to have, even to rent an apartment, you have to ha- yeah. have to have the first month's rent and a security deposit. And that's just not money that some people have laying around. Um, not everybody's in a small town. Around my town, like my city right here, because I, you know, I live in the, you know, a, a metroplex. Mm-hmm. It's minimum of $3,000 Absolutely. to get into an apartment. Not everybody just has $3,000 in their savings account and not everybody can leave and take you know, know what access they'll have to your joint finances. Right, right. And that was part of the plan from the get-go that I read in Patricia Evans' books was get your finances separate. Almost the first step, if not the first step. It's been several years, so I don't remember exactly. But but if you're in a situation where you don't have any separate finances, if all of your finances are coming from your significant other, then how do you build that, that secret little nest egg yep. to be able to leave? You, you can't. And it so there's to just tell him, you know, oh, I'm putting this away. <laughs> I'm making I'm, this plan. Yeah. It, it's not something that you can just say, hey, so can you give me a little extra money? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm putting away this nest egg to leave right, your ass. Yeah. When you're in a, an abusive relationship, I, I feel like I've talked to enough people that I can say most of us just hit a wall. We get to a point where we're like, okay, that was the last straw, whatever the last straw might be. and at that time, you know, when that moment hits, are you able to leave? Or are you not able to leave? And and so much of that just depends on finances. Oh, yeah, because you have to be able to support yourself. And especially if you're taking kids and, you know, not everybody has a mom and dad, you know, house to go to. And there's a lot that that goes into it. So it can affect how you leave. And if you don't have your like you said, if you don't have your own career, you know, you weren't building your own, you know, dreams and, and all of that up, then all of a sudden you realize you're going into divorce and your time never came. Now you're starting over in the most real sense ever. Starting over from a marriage is one thing, but starting over whenever you have never established yourself financially and your own career goals and things like that, that's a whole different thing. It's devastating. It sent me into a huge depression and actually it played a huge role in my, you know, self-worth and my, or lack of self-worth for the first time ever. I had not ever, but since I was a kid, I had struggled with self-worth and with believing in myself and all of that because I felt like a complete failure. Now I'm showing my daughters that I'm going from one job to the next and to the next to the next, trying to decide what I want to do. You had 20 years. I'm trying to figure it out now, like instantly. And I had a degree that, you know, I could go back to school and get my master's and all of that. But hindsight's always 2020. You're in those moments. You're not, you're just trying to think of survival day to day. But even on top of that, you're still, there's still a sense of you that's mourning your marriage and getting used to sleeping alone for the first time in 18 years. And, you know, trying to figure out what your house is going to be like without, you know, pictures of you and your husband everywhere. And, it, it's just, there's a lot that goes into it. So if basically what I'm trying to say, and I think what you're trying to say is we're teaching our children, our, our kids, but also we want you to understand that 
don't prepare for divorce, but don't put your dreams and your life on hold for anyone. Because even if you know, you're know you a mom and a stay-at-home mom and things like that, you still have to be doing things on the side that prepares you for the just-in-case. You can't control death. You can't control divorce for the most part. You can't control things that are, that are you know, unseen, you know, unstoppable. Don't get caught with your proverbial pants down. Like, you know, right. be prepared. You know, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's fine. But be prepared. How are you going to support yourself should something happen to your significant other? Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be divorced. I mean, you look at athletes. Athletes have career-ending injuries all the time. They have to have a plan B. Yeah. And what happens if they don't? They end up broke as hell. You know, then you see them on on some television show trying to get their name out there again. So athletes with no backup plan, people who aren't expecting to be widows all of a sudden. I mean, there are illnesses. Uh, My daughter daughter was telling me that the guy who played uh, Draco Malfoy is very openly speaks about the fact that he was not, he didn't manage his money well. And now he's in debt. So, you know, he, he openly talks about that and uses it as an example, you know, of how you should be better prepared. So those warning signs are all around you. Those red flags are all around you. Yeah. And, and I think the, the bigger picture and the, the message, no matter which angle you're coming from, is you have to be able to be independent, period. Apart from your spouse, apart from your children, apart from your parents, apart from anyone who might be part of your life, if for whatever reason, God forbid, the next morning you wake up and you have to be reliant on only what you can bring to the table, can you survive? Yeah. And I don't think enough of us focus on that because, of course, none of us, nobody wants to live like that. Nobody wants to, to plan your future with the what ifs, but the what ifs happen you also don't want to live your live your life with blinders on pretending that it won't and then when it does get blindsided and now you know you don't know how many friends of mine and people that i know that are mormon and they have you know four or five even ten kids in some cases ten being the most that i know about in my personal examples where you know their life ended in divorce or their life ended with a husband passing away suddenly And they had no preparation whatsoever, or they had a degree at BYU that was, you know, I forget what it's called. It's something like children and family. It's basically. Oh, you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. How to be a good mom. Yeah. It's, it's the number one female degree to get at BYU. And it's absolutely and utterly worthless. And anyone who says differently, hmm. Call me. Let's talk. She would love to discuss it. With I you. would love to discuss <laughs> it with you because I know hundreds with that degree, and none of them have gone on to be these highly successful, highly financial earning people. Right. So, but I know so many women who were very unprepared for the what ifs and were left with nothing. And not every divorce is amicable. So not every. <laughs> Not every husband is going to say, you know, I'm going to take care of you till you get on your feet. That's not, and and if he's not alive, he damn sure is, you know, can't do that. Right, so right. I just think it's so irresponsible to live your life, especially if you have kids, to not prepare just in case and have a plan B. It's irresponsible. It is irresponsible. And, and we're on the that other side of that. So we can look back. Yeah. And use our, you know, I was irresponsible and use our 2020 hindsight. I was irresponsible in a lot of ways too. I had my finances separate. 
I had my career set, but, but there were so many ways I was irresponsible and not ready to live on my own. And you have to, you just have to be the whole prenup thing. I always thought was just for, you know, just for rich people, just for the what ifs in case you have this sugar mama, sugar daddy kind yeah. of situation. But in the long run, it, it, it makes sense because you have to think about the, those what ifs. What if you wake up the next day and God forbid something happens? Yeah. And these are things we don't talk about while we're married because they're taboo. I don't want to talk about divorce and death and all that. What? Oh, okay. I get that. I didn't either. But now I'm here. Um, we're here telling you, we're here like literally saying it happens. It, it can happen and it can happen to you. And if you've neglected to prepare and you've neglected to, you know, have a plan B and to, to be prepared for the just in case and the what ifs, then if you're going to ignore the, this warning too, then I don't know that I guess good luck. You know, you'll, you'll go through the same things we did and we're, we're telling you that you don't have to. Right. Yeah. And I was financially independent, so I was lucky with that, but I wasn't good at saving. I wasn't good at being as financially responsible as I should have been because of my situation, because I had the finances and he had the finance. We, we both had good careers, so we were able to be a little sloppy with our spending. Yeah. And, and that led to great vacations and memories. And and I I don't regret that. But then when it came time for me to leave, I didn't have as much put away as I could have. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the knowledge that I I should have had about taking care of my expenses and my finances. And like, do you, do you know the difference between a Roth IRA and an IRA? Do you know, go through retirement plans and investing and things like that? Like it's great to me. Right. Yeah. Right. And it uh, was to me too. And I haven't then, had a career, so I don't know jack shit. <laughs> and then I, I did have the career and I had the, the IRA and I had my retirement plan and I, I fully intended on working my entire career and then just sliding into retirement because that's what you do. That's what we're taught that you do. But then I, you know, was slammed in two and a half years with both my parents' death and a divorce and I didn't see that coming. How could you ever see that coming? And so I did get to the point where I I should have been more responsible because I ended up retiring early. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have had more knowledge of what I was doing with my finances because when it got to the point where I, I did decide to retire early and, and do what I'm doing now, I most definitely wasn't as prepared as I could have been. One thing that I am grateful for and I said it earlier is that now especially with us living in the same area and stuff we've launched this podcast which was you know always my dream of you know helping others and this podcast and my blog I make nothing off of them but at least I'm I'm getting to change someone's lives I don't care if it's one or two people like at least I'm trying to use my example and the things that I've gone through to help someone else through their experiences you know that are similar or they they may listen to this and find something, you know, a little glimmer of hope, then to me, it's all worth it. So I'm very thankful that I am getting to live out this dream of having my own podcast and having my own blog where I, I speak specifically about, you know, my childhood and the really terrible things that, you know, I endured growing up and things like that. And for those of you who don't follow me on Patreon, um, it's called the 17 year run on Patreon. And it is I have a very unique story 
and I'm not going to give you any hints, but it's the story of my childhood growing up and, and how I ended up in the situations that I, you know, I ended up the choices that I made because, you know, all of that is reflective of the choices that I made. And right. now having those as outlets and things like that, like I, I'm very thankful for them, but neither one of those are going to support my family. You know, one day I would love it if, you know, our drunk divorce divas become so popular that, you know, that we're selling merchandise and we have a following. I would absolutely love that because that means we are changing lives. That means we are, mm-hmm. you know, we do have listeners that, that want to hear it and need to hear it. And I'm um, getting something good. Out yeah. Right. But for now I'm still having to be concerned with a career and a career path which is hard it's hard when when you're trying to do that with your kids you're trying to get your kids set on their career path and while I'm doing it right I just had the same conversation with with my oldest last night I texted her and and because I did retire early and so now I'm looking for my next career or next job whatever it might be after 25 years of teaching and I I got an interview with a company that I am really excited about and so I my oldest daughter just got out of college and had texted me three weeks ago or so. Hey, I found a job. I'll be working with this company. And I'm texting her back. Oh, I got an interview, which which is not what you think you'll be doing. Right. When you, it's not ideal, but at the same time, it it is what it is. It's reality. It's reality. I I didn't expect myself to be in this situation. I certainly didn't think I'd be looking for another job. I just assumed I'd work my 30 years in teaching. I would retire. I would live off my pension and that's how life would be. That's not how it worked out. So, and, and I don't work grab my decision to retire. It was the best thing to do for me because I needed to focus on myself. But now I'm in this stage that I didn't expect to be where I'm 48 years old and looking for my next job because I, I did retire early. I don't get my pension until I'm 60. So I have 12 years that I need to fill, which is fine. I don't mind working at all. I I enjoy it actually, but it's just being in this place that you didn't expect to be. You know, I didn't expect to be applying for jobs. I had to make a resume at 47 years old. I hadn't made a resume in 20 something years. Right. And, and so just to, to be in that situation that you weren't expecting to be in, and it's stressful. Now, you have a blog yourself because you're actually living, we've mentioned that you're living the RV life and <laughs> living in the camper. And I, and I absolutely love that you're getting to do that. But you have a blog yourself, correct? Yeah, I do. I, uh, I started the blog mostly because I made this crazy decision with the help of my daughter's to, uh, to do something different. I just it was at that breaking point, I guess you could say. I'd lost both my parents. I ended up divorced after 22 years. I knew I was months away from becoming a, an empty nester. And the thought of that, you know, the culmination of all of that, no parents, my kids will be living their lives, which is exactly what you want them to do. Right. My parents are gone. My husband is now ex-husband. My kids are moving on to do their adult life which leaves me. So now what do I do? And I thought about finishing my career and I I loved teaching, but I was empty, just so empty, so broken, grieving everything, grieving the loss of my parents, grieving the loss of my marriage. So I just knew I needed to make some sort of change and do something different because I wasn't healing. I'm just staying in the same environment that I had been in. And for me, I needed a I needed a change. I needed to do something different to kind of rock my world and get myself on the road to healing. Long story short, decided to buy an RV and sell everything off and 
So now I live in my little 24 foot RV and, and I have, you know, no home to speak of as far as sticks and bricks, they call it in the RV world. I have no sticks and bricks home, but I'm living this life now and I'm absolutely loving it. it. It's the best decision I could have made, but there's challenges that come with it. I had to retire early. I have to look for a career. I, you know, doing things way differently than I thought I would. And so when I announced that to to people, it was kind of a blow because I was 47 when I decided it. And so that's not old enough to retire. Right. And so I told everybody and told them what I was going to do. And for the most part, people were super on my side. There was only a handful of people that told me they thought I was crazy. Maybe everybody did, but only a handful that actually said to me, you're nuts. Most people said, oh my gosh, that's great. That's amazing. How are you going to document what you're doing? We want to follow along with you. And so I, I started a blog on WordPress just to kind of tell people where I'm at and what I'm doing and explain the RV life because there's pros and cons and with any you know lifestyle yeah. change. And so it's been fun. The blog has been fun. I, I have very, very close ties to some bands that I love and musicians and lyrics that I love. And so I'm using their words to inspire what I blog about mixed in with my RV life. And it's been fun. It's cool. And what's the name of your blog? The name is Happy Camper 72. What I like about your blog is that you incorporate localized bands that are up and coming, you know, trying to make it out there. You incorporate their songs and kind of give them some love and attention. So I, I, I like that because I love local bands that need a little step up so absolutely yeah and and i undiscovered music i guess yeah and, and music had such a big role in how i ended up realizing that i was miserable and and i would love to talk about that in a future podcast but music and lyrics and the people that go along with the type of music that I listen to just were such an outlet for me and and the happiness and the joy and the peace that they bring and so it just made sense to me to incorporate the music into my blog mm-hmm. because it, for me, it's all one, it's all one big thing. Like the lyrics in reggae music about being happy and finding your true self and the people who listen to that, who, who live that and feel that yeah. just so much joy and so much happiness. So when I knew that that's what I was striving for, the joy, the happiness, the peace, it just made sense to me for my blog to reflect those lyrics. And so Fortunately, you know, like you said, they're they're smaller bands, so I was able to contact them and ask them for their permission to use their lyrics, and they were like, "Yeah, go for it," and and so it's been fun. So we are very glad that you joined us today, and we hope that you stick with us and listen to our next podcast. We'll launch in two weeks. We're definitely looking forward to uh, to some feedback and any theme suggestions too, because we have had a plethora of experiences, and we'd love to talk about them. Yes. But if you guys have something specific that you would love us to discuss, let us know. We'll be launching a um, Facebook page. And probably an Instagram for, you know, these very purposes so that y'all can give us feedback and things like that. But I think we're good with episode four. Let's wrap it up. All right. Y'all have a good week.